0: So that they can line up, they go one goes one, two, then the next one goes three, four, then the next one goes five, six. And it's actually, I found it easier lining mm. up that audio than when we make one big loud noise or something like that. Do you know what I mean?
1: You know, it you know would make more sense is if you had uh, person one go one, person mm-hmm. two go two, person mm-hmm. one go three, and person two go four. You know, that's probably how they do it. And I'm All just right. confused. It's possible okay. I'm
0: complicating things. Well, I find oh. that hard. I find that hard
1: to believe.
0: Oh my goodness! Right, I'm not having any more of that toast. That's fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. That's so antisocial.
1: No, I like the lip smacking. I enjoy it. Do I sound okay? Because it reminds me of warm, damp places. <laughs> Do I sound one,
0: two, three, four? There you go. That's good. That'll do it.
1: Mm.
0: I think that'll do it. You're recording, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Are we on mixer yet?
1: No. Do you want me to turn mixer on? Oh, yeah, fuck I, it. Might as well. I think. There I you
0: think go.
1: Did it? Did it? Did the mixers on?
0: So, um, wait a minute. It's not. Come on. Hang on. The other. It is the other ten percent
1: live, isn't it? Yeah. There you go. I'll do. I'll do this under you while you. I'll play a theme tune underneath you while you're fiddling about with it. Does that help?
0: Uh, Well, I can't hear you. So, basically, I had to switch it off because my problem is um, that I always, whenever I've got mixer on, I always forget, don't I? And I always have it in the background and it's this Doppler effect. Which sounds like you're coming at me uh, so fast that um, to, I don't really understand physics or the doctor. It's been effect. a long
1: time since I saw you, so I might come at you very fast.
0: <laughs> it has been a really long time, mm, and do you know what? Um, it's been a while. Um, mm. I uh, I have noticed something, and this might just be me reading uh, reading into this. So uh, you'll you'll have to set my mind straight, or you have to be honest with me. But I've noticed that quite often you don't put, you don't put kisses on things when we're talking.
1: I've been forgetting. All right. I've noticed that. Sorry. It's not, I I still do them when I remember. So it isn't, it isn't that like your subconscious
0: hates me for some reason because there could be any number of reasons that I deserve and the front of your brain just hasn't picked up on it yet. But you've started dropping kisses off because your subconscious hates me.
1: My subconscious? No.
0: Yeah. Does you can't.
1: Not my subcon. Ha- not my subconscious. Alright, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think my conscience doesn't hate you either. To your be honest conscience. with you. Nick, to be fair, I find it hard to genuinely hate people because I'm always at the front of that queue. So I have yeah. to, uh, for me to hate people more than I hate myself is very difficult.
0: How how are you at the moment?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm alright, yeah. Cheers.
0: I should. uh, I I feel like I should have checked that before we were on uh, on record, just in case. No, this um, is the appropriate time to check who I am. You're close to being set off by anything because I don't know where you are in your
1: cycle. I'm I'm deeply unlikely to be triggered. Yeah, no, I'm not. I've not been very well over the last couple of months, but um, I'm I'm out the other side, so I'm I'm starting to improve slowly. Not sleeping very well though. Really bad insomnia at the moment. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh,
0: um, I, uh, I've not been very well for the last, I mean, the reason we went on hiatus, we might as well, uh, uh, get to grips with that. The reason yeah. we went on hiatus is because I couldn't, uh, I, I was going through some stuff at work, which I won't go into. Um, and, um, because partly because it's never, it's never entirely over, it turns out. Um, <laughs> and, um, and it it meant that, like I was struggling to do the things I wanted to do because I was so stressed out. it's cognitive load it's called okay, my all of my cognitive load was taken up with stuff that really no one should have to think about um and um I, uh, and so I was stressed out, and i needed I needed a couple of months where I n- knew that no one was expecting anything fun from me or good or nice or anything because I didn't think I'd be up to it. And so I've been pretty down as well. It has largely been situational. But I've been pretty miserable and we've hardly seen each other during that time, but we have had a couple of coffees and um I went to uh, Scarlett's uh, birthday. You we did. Went to Scarlett's yeah. birthday. That was interesting. We've talked about mm. uh, we've talked about your family before. And I've spent yes. time around them and they're lovely. Uh, for the most They're part, okay. your, fa- your yeah. family and friends are quite nice. But it was quite funny because uh, at one point, a lot of stuff that you've said, I, I'm not even sure who it was who who said this or did this, uh, but a lot of stuff you've said in the past sort of came back to me in this moment where um, I, don't, I don't like playing team sports, really. Mm. And so Amy, uh, my wife for the listener who doesn't know, uh, there was a game of Rounders yeah. and she really wanted to play. So she participated... And, uh, it, it happened, um, to coincide with, uh, Noah, my oldest son, uh, getting a bit emotional. I think he was quite tired and like he didn't, he didn't really know what was going mm. on. And I'd been telling him he couldn't go, like, couldn't go towards the gigantic horses. And we'd been for a walk and, and somebody had come over and told us that they, there'd been snakes spotted in the, where we were. Mm. But, so he just wanted his mum, really. And he doesn't always he's normally pretty happy with me, to be honest, yeah. uh but he'd been away from a screen for a really long time. none of our phones had signals, so it was mm. impossible to actually chill him out really um and and the grown ups were playing uh and some of the children were playing rounders, including his mum, but mm. he was obviously too small for that, you know so um so he was quite upset, and I was doing what I could to occupy him. And at one point, I was near this older couple who were sat down, and I'm honestly not sure who they belonged to or what they were. I should know. Amy would probably know. But I don't remember people from one year to the next. I'm really rubbish at this sort of thing. And one of them, uh, I think it was the lady, said, uh, because he was calling for Amy, said, Oh, he's a bit of a mummy's boy, isn't he? Oh, that sounds and like I'm... my mum. And I was like, no. I I just didn't know really how to react because... Had it been any of the people, had it been any of my people, I probably would have been quite withering. I would have known exactly how to react. I was like, dude, I was like, no, that's literally, he's cried for his mum two or three times in front of you in a five minute period. The rest of the time, like, he quite often comes to me for comfort, actually. Thanks very much. He's just as much of a daddy's. I mean, he's very fragile. If you were saying he's a bit neurotic for a child or like, He's he's quite emotionally needy, or whatever yeah. one of those things. Then yes, that would be fine. But Mummy's yeah. boy, no, he is fucking not. How dare you? Yeah. I didn't I didn't say all that. Yeah, but I was I was thinking. Well, no, because
1: yeah. well, that would make you a monster. Because it was just someone you yeah. don't know very well, desperately trying to make small talk because you know it beats silence for some people, doesn't it? Yeah, that that doesn't... I don't get that at all. <laughs> no, nor do I. I. I despise small talk, passionately. Uh, and I, I find spending time around some of the older members of our family very difficult. As a result, we... Um, Nicola and I feel very guilty at the moment because we've dropped uh, Scarlet off with my mum uh, and her partner for the next four days. All right, yeah. Um, and she really didn't want to go, and frankly... Um, I don't blame her. And um, we just sat there at one point. And mum's partner asked us what our opinions were on the extension to the M3 motorway. <laughs> <laughs> Both of us sort of sat there going, Well, I'd, neither of us give a flying fuck, mate. <laughs> I mean, I, I, of I, all the things, of all the things that are happening in the world, your, your go to small talk topic of conversation is. The widening of the M3 to four lanes uh, and the uh, resultant foregoing of the hard shoulder. It's like, yeah, I'm aware of the news story and I still give no fucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, mean, well, how would they not know that you wouldn't give a fuck after all uh, this? I mean, they've uh, known because, you for a while. Because because ne- neither of them, I, my, my mum, I gave a little more credit to. Mum's trying very hard, I think, to understand me. But Brian can only, sorry, Mum's partner <laughs> can only see the world from the prism of his own lived experience. Listen, so, nobody's
0: uh, gonna nobody's gonna hear the name Brian and assume that's his real name.
1: No, and I think we mentioned it before. Yeah, um, it's, it's clearly a comedy name you've given him for the yeah, benefit of the podcast. Yeah. My my mum, in, in my in my life's experience, my mum has only ever been with men called Brian. My dad. <laughs> was called Brian. The first man that mum dated seriously after dad died was called Brian. The man that she has ended up now sharing her later life with is called Brian. It would seem to indicate a massive lack of imagination on my mother's part. <laughs> what, and also, uh, it also seems a miracle that I wasn't named Brian Jr. What's her, um what was her dad's name? Brian, no, it's John.
0: <laughs> oh... That's an Otis Lee Crenshaw joke about uh, all the his uh, four wives, four ex-wives called Brenda, and mm. he doesn't know it's just a coincidence. I was just saying to my, I was just saying to my mum Brenda the other day. Uh, <laughs> now I that's kind of a of,
1: popular trope. That's in something else as well. What is that? That's that's in some that's in some entertainment I was watching the other day. I to be- Sorry, go
0: on. I refuse to believe that Otis Lee Crenshaw wasn't one hundred percent original. <laughs> but um I should I should add cuz I wasn't I wasn't just trying to family shame you there. Um I, there are certain there are a lot of there are a lot of uh things tangled up in my response to that that are personal like there is always that concern that maybe we're coddling him that mm. that maybe he is a very sensitive kid and mm. that maybe that's something to do with how we're bringing him up. That's in there as well. And, like, my family and Amy's family are just as capable of saying stuff like that. It was just coming from a stranger
1: out of the blue, it was a bit... I was like, he's four. No, I I think I have an instinctive um, frustration as well with with strangers who are assuming that my child, certainly when she was younger, but assuming that my child's behaviour in this given moment is indicative of who she is and what our relationship's like. Yeah, You're seeing such a small snapshot of time, fuck off. And it
0: and it gives you when it's someone when it's someone who was either your parent or uh, like part of your parents' generation and were parents it, at the time of cousins. I think it must have
1: get, been. I think it must have been Nicola's parents or Nicola's mother because my mum was playing rounders.
0: Yeah, so it might have been. But you kind you, you kind of get a sense, and it was. I guess they thought it was a harmless thing, but I was just like, I'm literally trying to calm my child down. He yeah. isn't normally like this, otherwise I would have much better coping skills.
1: Yeah. That isn't helpful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sug- suggesting he's somehow inferior, that doesn't help. Because um, <clears throat> that's because that's how I read it. And, but it gives you a sense of, like, bearing in mind we know that this is what all children are like, and that they can be quite predictable. Uh, not predictable, quite unpredictable. They can be quite predictable in their unpredictableness. I think I got away with that. Um, yep. and it's not just our kids it seems to be all kids it makes kids. you wonder all kids it's all kids and um, it makes you wonder you can't i i personally can't help like extrapolating out to what parenting would have been like when we were children and basically <laughs> if you were if you were a little bit cranky or whatever, you just had to get on with You know, your parents were just going to expect you to get on with it most of the time. I was having a conversation
1: like. with this about Nikki last night where uh, we were coming home from my mum's and Scarlett was very upset. And I've got to say, you know, I was brought up by mum, so I understand why she was upset. Um, but we were talking about the difference between how we react with it and how mum reacts with it. And it's funny seeing it from a, um, a sort of step removed. So mum just wants her to stop. So we'll say things that are designed to make her stop. Stop being silly. Come on now. Stop this silliness. Whereas Nicky and I will hug her and say, you're okay, and not try and shut her down emotionally, but talk to her about what's going on, you know? And that kind of seems to work more often than not, that she'll calm down quite quickly, she'll get it out, and then we discuss... I'm I'm, I'm going to say this in a way that makes my parenting sound really cold, but in a way that allows us to tease out what caused that reaction.
0: Yeah, no, makes sense.
1: And and sort of then kind of discuss whether it was appropriate. And that sounds really po-faced and high-handed, but it happens in a much more organic and nice way than that, you know. Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm sure you're
0: excellent. It's fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You've you've
0: always. (laughs) You've always struck me them. as a man who's emotionally in control. So, like, oh, I'm, I'm sure don't. it always Seriously. goes 100% according to Black
1: oh, We we talk we talk about not being well over these last three three yeah. four months. But my mental health, I had another breakdown. My my mental health's been appalling. Yeah. The fucking amount of guilt you live with, where you're constantly sorry, you me, mm. I'm constantly um, having to question. Every single reaction I have to every single thing. So constantly asking myself whether how I'm feeling about what's happening in the moment is rational and fair. And when that comes to Scarlett and desperately trying to mask my emotions and my reactions around her is fucking cripplingly difficult. It's so, hard. and the guilt as well of knowing that you're not as engaged and you're not parenting as well as you should do is, mm. is, is, Oh man, it's been that's been fucking tough. Man.
0: In in some ways, I think I'm quite lucky in that, um, and it it has got pretty. I have felt pretty desperate a, a few times recently, but for me, because, um, and there have been a lot of times where I've doubted my reactions to things. But that's normally when, like, the people who've been there as my support, like, uh, there are people who I can talk to about things at work. And, but obviously they've got their own stuff going on and they have to exist within this working mm-hmm. environment as well. And they know some of the people that I'm having problems with and they have, like, and I don't blame people for not having the same problems that I do because one of the, um, one of the problems I've actually had explaining myself is that, I have there are people at work who I can have a perfectly good and actually really, really good, productive um relationship with as colleagues, but whenever the the second that dynamic changes all goes pear shaped and they don't behave well very well in that circumstance and I can't deal with how they're behaving in that circumstance. So like I I'm not even the same you know, I don't even have the same relationship with the same so I don't blame my colleagues for um my colleagues who are sort of witnessing all of this for sometimes agreeing with me because they've seen stuff. And then other times saying, well, I didn't really see that to be honest. They were fine this morning. Sort of. Do you see what I, and, and so I struggle sometimes then because I don't, I I don't understand. It's like, that's when I'm doubting myself because I'm like, which bits, when am I right? (laughs) And when do I just feel right? But I'm lucky. What do you think
1: that that, that has to do? Do you think that, Especially when it comes to um, having a sensitivity in terms of the subtleties of, of, of behavior, mm. that that it then becomes a kind of um, uh, a subjective opinion based on your own emotions. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Or,
0: or over or over I think one of the things I've realised is that I I don't have natural organic like my brain's processing so quickly most of the time, and maybe everyone's like this, I don't know, but my brain's processing sort of social information so quickly most of the time that I don't think people realise it when they're talking to me, but I'm always, like, trying to calculate and interpret what people are doing. It never just happens, a second nature. Um And so, so most of the time I feel like people are... Saying, well, I don't, you know, I don't think that's the case at all. You seem fine. You seem to know what the right thing is to say. You seem fairly patient a lot of the time and stuff like that. But then when they don't get it, um, you know, then I start to wonder, well, have I overanalyzed or are they just tired today? (laughs) Do you see what I mean? No, absolutely, yeah. have, Have I just used them up? And they're like, yeah, 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 they're probably being a dick to you. But to be honest, you're the one who won't leave me alone. So, um and I and I have a bit of trouble with those situations, but the the place where I think I'm lucky compared to you is but it, it comes out as a completely different thing. You are you get angry of yourself, whereas I have the luxury of knowing that I'm being mistreated a lot of the time.
1: Okay. And so
0: I get angry it doesn't matter how desperate I get, my anger and rage um and all of that it's always aimed somewhere else. It's it's always aimed at these situations. And I'm also quite lucky because, um, although I'm tired when I get home, I found that, like, around the boys, I'm just, it all, it, I just, I just don't even think about it while they're around most of the time. I mean, sometimes I'll be talking to Amy around them and we'll be using coded language because I've just got in from work and there's stuff I want to tell her while it's on my mind. But for the most part, when I'm around the boys, It's like I don't even think about that stuff. But I get home at 5.30. They're awake for another hour and a half, and then they're in bed, and the rest of the time I'm miserable. Sure. And that's not healthy, and I'm very aware that that's not healthy. But I don't have... I think I'm normal around them, for the most part, but then I might be deluding myself about that, really. Um, I'm definitely not normal around Amy. You know, she bears the brunt of all of it. But...
1: um, do you do you think that you don't really want to talk about my perceptions of it? But do you feel like you you, you have a very strong sense of self confidence and self belief in terms of the rightness of your thinking? Um. Yeah, but
0: like, n- well, I think what it is is that it's not that I've got a lot of confidence in my perspective. I've just got almost zero confidence in anyone else's perspective. <laughs> so actually, it, it ends up coming off as quite arrogant a lot of the time. But really, so, it's, it's like, like- I'm, I'm very aware that I might be wrong. But it feels to me like um, other people aren't even considering that they might be wrong and quite often say silly th- I don't know, really. Kind of
1: is it like a general distrust and loathing of others and a a, uh, a belief that others aren't considering issues um as deeply or correctly as they should be or, or i don't what do it, you think
0: i don't tr- i don't think it's a loathing i don't um I don't have a lot of faith in other people. It's not that I don't trust people. It's just I trust people as much as... Like, I don't expect to be anyone else's priority. But I don't really feel... I'm, I don't get annoyed with people because of that. If you see what I mean. It's like... Sure. I, I totally understand why I wouldn't be someone else's priority. And actually, I feel quite bad when I realise that I've been um, putting a lot of pressure on someone by talking to them a lot about this stuff or or whatever. Mm. No, I don't I don't I mean I'm not often surprised when someone does something shitty anymore. But it feels to me like that's because I have been surprised when people have done <laughs> shitty things before. And mm. so now I just expect I I you know, I I'm pleasantly surprised when people do lovely things. And I don't have high expectations the rest of the time. But also I protect myself. I mean you've seen me, like um when there's a possibility that my perspective won't be got across in a situation, I will over um I will over explain, I'll be over explicit in emails and stuff like not explicit as in filthy or anything, but if there's any possibility that I'll miss I'll be I might be misinterpreted. Of course, the problem is no one reads more than two hundred words in an email, so you end up being misinterpreted anyway because you're the guy who wrote a three thousand word email about a yes/no question. So, um, can I ask you a question?
1: Yes. Uh, in addition to this one, so I think a, a lot, lot of, of questions. my yeah, I think What's a lot of myself, I think a lot of my self-loathing comes from certainly in my younger years being the biggest kid in the class. Right. And it's funny I was having a conversation with Scarlett the other day, and I said, "I always feel like I'm in the way. wherever I am, I always feel very conscious of my size and very conscious that i'm I'm taking up other people's space. Uh-huh. Do you think that the way you feel is driven by any sort of sort of similar experience in terms of being more diminutive? Did you <laughs> struggle to have your voice heard or I am um, I used to think that I used to think that there was a lot more to that
0: than I do now. Um, but I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely worried about becoming, I've definitely felt invisible a lot, but I don't know if that's so much, I don't, um, even when I used to think being small might be an issue, that seemed to be more about like... I always I always used to interpret the the physical problems that I had the fact that I was tiny because I was much smaller when I was a kid than I am you know relative to my schoolmates I was very very small up until mm. my teens really um but it, it it always related to things like sports and and whether girls would notice me and and stuff like that that the truth is that My entire um, social, my entire reaction to all of my socializing, really, is about this weird tension between being worried that if if I'm not in contact with people, if I'm not in contact with people, I will just disappear. They will forget I exist. But at the same time, really not wanting people to notice me um i don't i don't want the attention and i think part of the part of the the thing of that is that like i remember birthday parties and things like that when i was a kid um being incredibly difficult because i didn't know what people wanted from me and they wanted something from me and i didn't like it i didn't like the fact that everyone was looking at me and like and um and, of course, it, 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 became, it became another reason why I was angry with my parents for making me have these birthday parties every year. But, like... And, you know, they should have picked up on the fact that I didn't really like it. After the first <laughs> couple, they should really have picked up on that. But parents didn't really do that back then, did they? But at the same time, well, no, giving your children...
1: So well, you see, I guess, I guess what you're dealing with there is, because I have a perception that you, you, you know, I I know you, I think enough as a friend to know that you want to be understood. Yeah, that's something that's very important to you, whilst at the same time not wanting to cause a fuss and bringing attention to yourself. Yeah. So there's kind of attention there, and also you've got, you know, you're talking there as well about parents sort of complete inability to pick up on really clear signs that, you know, maybe this child doesn't react to things in a cookie-cutter manner, which, you know, I, I think was a failing of many parents in yeah. years gone by. And, I mean, obviously, the, the last couple of
0: years, I've been thinking about that stuff a lot more. I don't think... I still don't think that they were... I'm I'm still like my parents are definitely a bit narcissistic um mm-hmm. but i'm not i'm not entirely sure that they were that different from a lot of parents <laughs> of the time um and a lot of those problems persist today but at the same time i've realized over the last couple of years that a lot of things that i thought were nurture like were things that i th- were are ways that i think and feel now because of things that happened in my teens were probably actually things I, you know, that I was different beyond just being a bit geeky and liking to read and being a bit small and stuff like that. That I was yeah. different, and that like nobody picked up on it at all. But you know, but then you know, I th- there are plenty of people who give me the impression that that's a bit of a self satisfied. You know, I jo- you? I, jo- I joke, I joke about, uh, I joke about not wanting a depression <laughs> diagnosis because it'd be more boring than autism <laughs> but like the truth the truth is i there are plenty of people around telling
1: me that i can't possibly be autistic so it's it's fine it's okay it's funny you say that because it's um yeah that's uh, 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 one of the problems with a uh, diagnosis of depression is it doesn't seem to fit the pain you feel yeah it's like no i feel a lot worse than this word that we use to describe people feeling a bit grumpy Mm. it's like I want my life to end (laughs) I can't see the point of living another day it's called depression you feel a bit grumpy it's um it feels it it feels like such a insufficient word it's almost like we should keep depression as a word for when people feel a bit grumpy and come up with something a bit more more glamorous for people who have you know anyway (laughs) <laughs> that's, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's by
0: the by. I that's an interesting thing about language that I think about quite a lot is like people talk. People are really focused on language at the moment, and there's so much of it around, as well,
1: um, and more than one as well. Yeah, just, yeah. To, just to really
0: but, complicate things. But people keep learning new words and 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 finding that old words aren't fit for purpose, and people uh, talk about. Um, how certain words should be got rid of, because i i'm not, I'm not talking about slurs and stuff like that. I'm talking about diagnostic terms or whatever that aren't particularly useful, and i don't you know I don't want to be reductive about this, but I do think that like um, I quite often think, well no maybe maybe what would help more than us coming up with different words for things like depression and changing what depression means? maybe just if people generally understood that a word can mean more than one different thing Mm. and that you need to pay like, our language is already, you know, our language is pretty complicated, there are lots of words that are context sensitive depression isn't, they're not Mm. they aren't just, it isn't just the words that relate to things that that, um, are life altering for people there are there are lots of our, what is that noise?
1: I like the way I like the way you put that though, and we talked about it in a minute a minute ago about you needing people to understand you and when you're when you're framing your position about a subject subject like this I, it's amusing you use the word people need to understand <laughs>
0: well, yeah people do
1: need to yeah well, but now, I mean, now what you need to understand is I've thought about this rationally, and I've come to this clu- conclusion <laughs> well, yeah, so people need to understand that my conclusion on this subject is actually correct, and it's like is
0: just the you, when when you hear whenever we talk about how weird other languages are or whatever and we talk about languages that have several different words for snow and that sometimes a word means this but if you're talking to a woman on a tuesday or whatever it means something else and and things like that and there there's lots of I wish I could think of examples this wasn't something I was thinking about talking about but there are examples of that in our language as well that, that are weird when you're trying to explain it to other people, and words that are spelt the same but mean different things, and words that are spelt differently but sound exactly the same but mean different
1: things. Isn't it Cantonese where um, the word will be different based solely on intonation?
0: I mean, almost definitely. But there are words like that in our language probably as well, aren't there? And it's like, you know when someone's being sarcastic, but sometimes you don't, and and It's complicated. Yeah, we've got this quite complicated language, but people are becoming uh, or maybe they always were like less present and um, less attentive to to that to that nuance. And I don't think it's just I don't think it's just the internet. I think people were doing this before. People always blame this on the written pe- word and pe- on texts people, and stuff like that.
1: People, when they can't.
0: Sorry, no people meaning
1: who and based
0: on what? Just a bit of everyone, really. You know, it's like. Um, I mean, I don't, I can't think of any examples where you've done it recently, but then we haven't talked for ages, so maybe, yeah. So,
1: you know, but, you know, when but someone where, say, where does the evidence, where does the, where does the evidence lie that there is a decline?
0: No, no, I mean, there might not be a decline. It might always have been this way, or it might have been this way for decades, but it's weird that we have this language that's so complicated and nuanced. Mm. If, if it was built by people who didn't understand that language was complicated and nuanced, that would be weird. Mind you, language isn't built. It happens organically. I'm under a lot of pressure because mm. one of our most intelligent friends is in, is in the chat room. Ah. <laughs> and, and this is a really half-assed thought I'm pulling out of my ass. But it's just like, my point is that like, maybe. I find that sorry, when, people, when people use a word like depression or depressed or, mm. or they're talking about it, and I understand mm. why, um, I understand why, People who are deeply affected by issues feel quite mm. strongly when they hear a word. I'm not, mm. I'm not necessarily saying that people shouldn't feel that mm. people are being flippant or whatever, but maybe there's a, there's a lack of understanding or a, a lack of engaging with the fact that our language is quite complicated and one can be depressed, like mm. it, situationally for a while, or someone can suffer from depression. And, there are plenty of words that we use that way where they mean two different but, things. Yeah, but it's but, like but it's
1: interesting that it. But it, it was interesting that it was was kind of your go-to in terms of how you feel about your mental health. Mm. That your go-to was to say, "Oh, well, depression isn't glamorous enough." And and I, I think I was just sort of saying it as someone who also uh, who suffers from depression. I kind of agree with you. Yeah, you know, I, the, I mean, the, but but also you know, the the, the, the you know. I, 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 did could spe- probably
0: say that. I did specifically frame that as a stupid joke that I've always quite often made about it, though. So there, there was the context that I wasn't really committed to that statement. It's a, it's a stupid thing that I have quite often said that I probably shouldn't have said, which was, you know, I mean, I'm not going to defend that. It's a stupid thing to say, really. And no, I, do I think, get don't give yourself a well.
1: hard time because I think it's where we go. I mean, what people need to understand. <laughs> But, you know, it's where we all go because it's a convenient shorthand. There isn't an emoji for that, so
0: yeah. And it's like one of the things. Um, one of the things that was uh, weird for me about my and I've definitely talked about this on the on the podcast before, but um, one of the things that was weird for me with the um, autism assessment was mm. that the I talked to the assessor for ages and i guess that's quite difficult because i probably was quite engaged because i was very interested by the process and it it was touching on things i've thought about quite a lot which is my past <laughs> mm-hmm. or like the way i the way i feel about things and the way i think about things so i probably was quite animated but the fact that i described a couple of uh, a couple of scenarios in passing while talking about all of this other stuff um that the assessor picked out and put a very specific interpretation on that I don't think was evident. I don't think there was evidence to support in what I'd actually said. the 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 idea that the way that um, someone whose job it is to sort of assess people's uh, mental state, I guess, would look at a story. And I mean, that's it's really difficult for me as someone who wants to write and who loves. Who loves reading and interpreting things and interpreting the different ways people might have meant things in stories and, and, and thinking about when I write saying, saying something and trying to get across a different meaning and, you know, playing with all of that stuff. The idea that he could look at a story that I told him about my past and come out with this very specific reading of it that didn't really allow for, that closed down any other interpretations of it. I'm talking about a, a story about a fight I had with my mum. Which I'm pretty sure I've talked to you about, where, mm-hmm. um, where, and I've definitely I've had uh, the, I've uh, I've looked at I was earlier on I was looking at the Two Grey Men Facebook page, um, trying to find the the address for Mixler and realising that for the last two months it's basically that and the Twitter account has basically been where I've been doing my worst brain splurging, but um, but one of the things one of the things that I really was struck on was. I told him a story about a huge fight I got into with my mum when I was 14 where she was being um, – there was a, a young woman who worked at the store. I, you know, She was older than me but she can't have been older than like 16 or 17 – well, maybe 17 or 18 who was a single mum and like not in a great situation. We were in a small town that was quite un, unusual at that time and stuff like that. And my mum was very judgmental about her one evening. And I remember just saying, well, that's just... You can't say that about people. That's ridiculous. And it turned into this screaming row that actually became quite physical. And I told him that story because he was asking about my upbringing. And that's one of my go-to stories. It's it's pretty good shorthand for... Yeah, me and my parents didn't always get on. That's That's what that story means to me, really. And then... Later on, when he gave me my assessment, he said that i couldn't that one of the reasons I couldn't be autistic was that despite the or really on the spectrum at all he said was that um despite scoring very low on all of the on the empathy tests that they give you um like really, really low on the empathy tests that they give you um I had told him a couple of stories, and that was the one he picked out um saying. If you didn't have empathy, you wouldn't have been able to put yourself in that girl's position. And so you wouldn't have argued with your mum about her. And I was like... At the time, I was like, well, okay, I don't really understand. But I was I was finding the whole meeting kind of surreal anyway. But afterwards, I was like, at which point did I tell him that I put myself in the girl's shoes? That doesn't... That isn't what I was doing. It's just that, to me... Judging people for an accident, like a couple of bad decisions they've made, judging their entire character based on that just doesn't make any logical sense. It has nothing to do with wondering what it must be like for the poor girl or anything but like that. You,
1: but, but don't you think that that is you know, seen as a traditional caring standpoint? That, oh. That in, in, in the act of caring you are showing by default some empathy and understanding for that person so hmm. well yeah i mean i can understand why having a conversation with someone in a
0: pub they might think that but when <laughs> when like you've got specific data and the whole point of the you know you're a, you're a professional and the whole point of the conversation is like the whole point of the process is trying to um work out an an individual or work out a diagnosis for an individual or something it's a bit of a leap you know there are there are a few different readings of that as far as I'm concerned the assumption seemed to be that um to to me the thing that the thing that really i really got tangled up on the last few weeks and we're going way off, off the point here whatever the point was but the <laughs> thing that i got really um really tangled up on a few weeks ago was that my interpretation of that is that um it's not empathy that compassion, <clears throat> well, not even compassion, the absence of judging someone as worthless because of their life, um, it is seen as like somehow not logical. It's not a conclusion you could come to logically. You could only come to that conclusion if you're a caring person. But actually, that's not true. It isn't logical to judge people based on something that's completely out of their control. It doesn't make any sense, does it? But we all make, I think no, we all make agree. that decision. Uh,
1: I don't agree, because it depends on your prejudices.
0: Well, yeah, but prejudices, so prejudices aren't may rational or may either, not are be... they?
1: Aren't they? No, they're not. Some can be. Which ones? Go on, so name which see. ones
0: of your prejudices
1: are rational. Okay, well I'm I'm prejudiced against uh people who show an apparent lack of empathy towards people who are I consider to be um disadvantaged. So you're now, prejudiced against people who are prejudiced then? No, I'm I'm prejudiced against people who are traditionally uh hold right wing opinions.
0: Yeah.
1: So and that's and that's built out of prejudices that are born out of my Sense of distrust of establishment, of authority, mm-hmm. of of classes above mine. Whereas someone who's brought up, possibly dripping in privilege, and with a with an attitude that um, leads them to believe that they are somewhat more important than it, it's logical from their perspective. So lo- logic is kind of a. a Especially when it comes to the workings of human perception, mm-hmm. when it comes to sort of other people, logic isn't a fixed point. No, of course. So you know that that logic, you know, I'm, I'm, you know racists feel can can come up with logic, can't they? So it's well, it's a difficult it's a difficult position, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean it is, but I I think I think part of my point is that logic itself isn't like. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a, an imaginary structure anyway. We're imposing, mm-hmm. like we're looking at our worldview and the amount of data we've got. Some of us yeah. aren't even looking at our worldview and in, in the data, but like mm. we're going from the data we've got. We're applying a little bit of our like upbringing or mm. or how we're wired or whatever to it, and mm. the more data points we can find. To support it the more likely we Mm -hmm. are to say well it's just logical isn't it but literally you're right almost by that measure people can i i often find it quite difficult actually when because the assumption is that um the assumption is that bigots are stupid that's an assumption a lot of people Mm -hmm. make a lot of the time and it's not true (laughs) no it's just not true and the the problem i quite often have is that if I get into a conversation with someone who is bigoted, but they have more data points that seem to be backed up by like like actual verifiable sources or whatever Mm. than I have to support a particular point of view. I'm suddenly like, well, but you see, now that just seems like bullshit to me, though. I feel like if I pick apart at that, it's going to fall apart. The problem is at this point, in this conversation, this guy has more data than I... It's always a guy, by the way. Um this guy has way more data than I have to support what he's saying And he's mm. probably smarter than me So um I at that point I, I sometimes get a bit disoriented because I don't think it's possible for me to believe that people are inferior based on like just well that people are inferior really full stop mm-hmm. to me Um but I also put a lot of stock in um that there are people smarter than me and that I should try and listen to them as much as possible and then pick through how I feel about what they've said and I don't know I just it, it it's you're right do, that logic isn't think, logic is a sort of a moving thing do but you that's think, kind of
1: sorry go do, on. do you think it's important to take into account the opinions of people you consider to be less intelligent than you
0: well I mean, I I kind of feel like we wouldn't have this podcast if I didn't.
1: <laughs> I'll throw them up. You were to loan, mate.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, but then you know, I don't really, I don't really feel that way because then, then there's book learning, and there's whether or not someone can articulate their point over over whether or not someone sounds like a, a barely sentient ape, but is very intelligent. Um, did you? Did you catch that
1: one as well? That was a. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you got that one.
1: Good. Yeah, I'm seething. I'm seething. <laughs> Go on.
0: But um, it's occurred to me. I'm probably shouting, and um, there's a uh, there's a, the the windows open to try and call my computer down. Tim's asking asking the question in the chat room. What does smarter mean in this context? And that's exactly it. It's like I don't know. It really depends on the specific situation we're talking about
1: if 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 tim tim meets my question, I meant smarter in terms of uh Nick's uh, subjective opinion of that person hmm. and I mean that's the thing I don't really know i just, i always sort of assume
0: i i tend to assume that the people I'm talking to know more um about some stuff than I do, hmm. and like I kind of evaluate. On the go, whether or not that's the case, yeah. um, that sometimes that sometimes falls apart. If if I like read something someone says on Twitter um, that seems a bit ignorant or dumb about comic retail or something like that, yeah, I'll my experience and bias will kick in, and I will sometimes like make a wrong judgment because that's that's always the case, you know. Assume that they weren't misspeaking or something like. <laughs> Sure. So Assuming sorry. I just got so, the
1: whole perspective. So I under I understand based you know, on my my question. If you don't think someone's as smart as you, yeah, you find it easier to to disregard their opinion. Is that no, not at all really I think
0: I think I, I think I just said I don't tend to think that people are less smart than me. I'm pretty like you most of the people I
1: know. Are I don't than think. I am. I don't think that's true because although I'm very self-deprecating, mm. I'm also able to analyse uh, people around me. And, I'm not sure you think about these things as deeply as I do. You do an assessment on everyone. To are you thinking about this as hard as I am, or are you? Are well, you this just particular, particular to conversation. Sorry.
0: This particular conversation. Or.
1: What? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think one tactic to deal with stupider people is to cheapen the points they're making by making jokes about them. So you... Uh... You think that's what I was doing, but I've, like, said...
0: I've said so many times just in this show that I think you're probably smarter than I am. Yeah, You've got more of a sense of history. I don't... You've got, like, um, huge I, amounts of political bias,
1: but... I, oh, God. No, no, I'm I am just a dripping... That of bias, it, 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 it's one of the things I've been struggling with. Is just I'm so aware of it now. It's like I, I know I I get very emotional about things, oh. and I know all of those emotions are driven by non-logical bias, and it, it's it's horrible, you know. The, the and also sort of driven by the emotion of of your mental health. So you know, there's days where You know, you'll look at I look at one sort of group of people. It's usually social media, but usually Mm in friends as well. I don't mean like you know large racial groups and stuff. You know, you look at you look at certain people some days just 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 wish they would die, (laughs) and then and then the next day you know I I go back to what I consider to be my ideal, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, fair enough, live and let live, you know, and all that. But yeah, so I don't I don't trust myself in terms of. Uh, any opinion anymore, <laughs> um, and, and, and don't think I'll ever come to a point where I, where I'm ever entirely comfortable with an opinion I hold ever again. To be honest, well, uh, I, I don't.
0: I don't necessarily think. I mean, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I get. I think. I think my whole point about, mm. I think, when I was talking about logic, I wasn't. I'm not holding it to. I'm not holding the word or the idea mm. to some. Um, objective, like, like objectively pure ideal or anything like that. I'm just saying that, like, sometimes you make a decision or you form an opinion or you make an argument uh, based purely on your, like, purely on how you feel about a given situation. Mm. In the case I was talking to the guy about, um, I, I liked the girl... Like, because we talked, we talked. I liked the girl that I was talking about, yeah. but I don't think that if I hadn't liked her, I'd have thought what my mum was saying made any sense. Mm-hmm. Do you see if she, if the, if the girl was an idiot, mm. I don't think I'd have then thought. Oh no, my mum's absolutely right. Someone who accidentally got knocked up, like when they were sixteen or whatever, uh, they are morally worthless. Do, do, <laughs> you know, I just. Because yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. It's not that it like doesn't make. It's not that the I have to know whether the person is a nice
1: person mm. or not. Some of some of them are probably arseholes you know, it's, just... it's the last question I'm going to ask you because we we are we are up to my um, uh, the, the time I like the hard out of this. But yeah. um, I, I had a lot of conflict with my mum growing up. Uh-huh. Do you think that conflict was born as much by disgust at your mum's snobbery? as it was for any empathy for the for the girl.
0: But did, did I just like arguing with her because no, she was a no. asshole? No,
1: no. Was uh, that genuinely... my, the wrong Cause, interpretation? Cause my, my, mother, my mother was very snobby. Hmm. and I, There are things that I've come to understand about that worldview where I feel hmm. less harshly about her now than I did when I was younger. Yeah. But... But my mother, we lived, you know, as I've said before, we lived in the council estate up, uh-huh. upper sat and my mother considered herself to be better than all of our neighbours. Yeah. Which would cause conflict because um, there was partially my self loathing. Uh huh. So I didn't feel as a family we were better than anyone. And it kind of drove a disgust of my mother's snobbery as I saw it. Yeah. So do you think there was an element in your argument with your mother? Where as much as anything, it was you were observing a behaviour in her that you found abhorrent.
0: Well, like, I mean, I was at odds with them a lot at that point. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really understand because we because we moved around and changed situations so often. I don't think I I really ever understood, um, what our social standing was until. Like it was imposed on me by other people. So I don't know if I necessarily would have realized she, when I think about that situation, it's sort of in, in isolation, or it's certainly the earliest time I remember her ever saying, it sticks out, you know? I don't remember mm-hmm. her being endlessly like that. We didn't have a sure. great relationship. But like when I, re- when I remember it, and I've thought about it a lot since like the, the, um, evaluation, like, when I remember it, I remember more just and you've you've had these conversations with me where mm. I kind of feel like I probably half laughed and said that's just ridiculous yeah sort of thing you know what I mean I just yeah I mean how can you possibly think that it's ridiculous um and actually extrapolating out, I would say that knowing my mum me being that dismissive. Mm-hmm. would probably make her more angry than just cuz we used to argue all the time it never went as badly wrong as that one did sure we probably argued about things i felt more strongly about as well i didn't want to move to that town i didn't want to mm. you know we just didn't like we didn't have a great me and my parents didn't have a great relationship at that point so um yeah you're i mean like was i in the mood to get um was i spoiling for a fight i think is that maybe Kind no. of an interpretation
1: of what you're saying. No, no, it's it's generally to do with with your your feeling towards your mother, that uh, as, as a sense of disgust at behaviour you saw in her, rather than desperately wanting to fight against her, this sort of sense of wanting to disown the behaviour of someone that was very significant in your life. I'm only asking because it was a tension between me and my mother. Oh no! But a I lot of the yeah. conflict was me trying to dishonour atti- her social attitudes.
0: It's a good. It's a good question. I think. I think it is a good question. I don't. I mean, it's impossible to know, really, but I think that, like, I feel like most of the arguments I end up in with people, um, including you, and this feels like it was probably like when I think back to this time, even though it was a very long time ago, it feels like. It was probably roughly the same. I didn't realise there was that much heat in the conversation. Yes, do you, do you, like yeah. I felt like I felt like I was having a debate with someone, mm. like albeit one where I really did think I was right, mm. <laughs> like or they were wrong. More more's the point, because um, I didn't have a strong opinion either way about single mums. Just that I didn't understand how you could dismiss them. Um. Um. I think I was probably knowing what I'm like now and how it turns out. Now I was, I probably felt like I probably felt like I was being quite like, I just logical, I guess, or debating it. I don't know if it would have been, because yeah. like I said, we didn't, I I felt a lot of um, frustration with my parents because they'd moved us and they'd, um, they didn't, you know, we did, we did argue an awful lot, but I don't really remember being that, polit- like, the, recognizing someone's snobbery is quite a political thing, isn't it? And I, d- I don't know if, I don't know if necessarily I was thinking that sophi- in, to that sophisticated extent, an extent back then. Like, literally all of my ideology, and it's always been the case, all of my ideology has been like, does that make sense to me? Does that feel right? Like it doesn't. I know there's a. I know most people are a little bit like this, but I've never. It's only the last five or ten years I could even really tell you what each political party stands for, and I'm 44. <laughs> so, so it's like I wasn't politically activated for all that time. It's just sort of what seems wrong, or well, racism seems wrong to me, and um, sexism seems wrong, uh, but also at a certain level, all men are bastards just doesn't seem fair either. And-
1: no, but um, that's just how I've always accurate.
0: picked through things. I've never really had a particular yeah.
1: stance on anything. Wow, the Nick. planes are really going yeah. on. You should you should do the admin because I need to get I need to get out of here. All right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is
0: two grown men. Um, I really wanted to talk about uh, how my in-laws have this big uh, TV, wall-mounted TV, and made us watch a clip from Frasier at the wrong aspect ratio. There you go. Just on it. Oh, it was maddening, though. And I really wanted to mention it because you've got that podcast about Frasier. Um, hello, Newman. James mm. has a podcast about Frasier. Hello, hello called, Scrambled Eggs, it's called. called Hello, Newman, another Seinfeld podcast. It's all about Frasier. It's episode <laughs> by episode. And um, he does that with Steve. You can find that at, what is that, at Newman pod? hello NewmanPod? HelloNewmanPod.com. Um This is Two Grown Men. You can find this at twogrownmen.net, I think. I think that's what it is. It's supposed to be about parenting and about how other people have the TV settings, but somehow it, it turned into... I feel, feel like I was being a bit psychoanalyzed, and I'm not sure how I feel about it Um, in this episode. But uh we've been away for a very long time, and we're back. Thank you for being so patient with us, listeners. You can find full show notes for the episode's um, at twogrowmen.net on the episodes themselves, you can talk to James on Twitter at. Uh, oh
1: God, uh, James Mom, James, James Mom. You can talk. I'm to never me there Twitter. anymore. I lurk yeah. a bit on Twitter, but that's about it. Yeah, you can.
0: Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter at Site n i x s i g h t. You can talk to the podcast itself at 2 Uh That's normally me on there, but I know James does pay attention to it. There is a page on Facebook at. Uh, two Grown Men, if you search for that. And you can find me on there as Nicholas Papaconstantinou. And um, uh, you'll work out how to spell it. It's easy. Uh, or James uh, <laughs> James Gilly. Uh, it is Patreon-supported, this podcast. Uh, you can support us by going to patreon.com forward slash uh, T-O-T-P. Yeah. Forward slash T-O-T-P. Um, and, you know, the podcast is always going to be free. But it does help us with like domain costs and stuff. They come up, they come up once a year, pretty much, and uh, and the Patreon really helps. So uh, I'm not going to suggest uh, that our Patreon supporters are better listeners than the other normal listeners who don't pay us anything. But um, but they are, <laughs> but they are, they just are. When people pay for that's capitalism, isn't it, James? When people are willing to pay for something. Uh, that means uh, they're more invested in it. That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah, that's
1: true. I love capitalism as well. We should get into that.
0: (laughs) You love capitalism. Yeah, I'm all for
1: it. Um,
0: Thank you to you for listening. Uh, Thank you, James, uh, for being so patient with me while I've been um, away in the wilderness. Well, Thanks to... Oh, 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 oh. we we, monkeys. uh, We broadcast live. Um, Mm. We broadcast most of these episodes live on... Mixler um, yeah. at, uh, my dogs are going crazy as well, com forward slash the dash other dash 10 dash live forward slash, doesn't really mean anything uh, but you'll find <laughs> you, we post about that on Twitter and Facebook every week you can join us in the chat room, thanks very much to um, friend of the show Timothy Swan for keeping us company for this episode and uh, I guess we'll try and see you next week we can't really yeah, I'd, I'd week, like to week. shout
1: out to Plus One Elsewhere
0: Plus One Elsewhere yeah mm. Who's that?
1: I it's my uh, my homie, Plus One Elsewhere. Plus One Elsewhere? It's his stage name. It sounds like uh, Idris Elba's DJ name. Yes. Yes, it does.
0: Or something. Yeah.
1: Right. So, uh, yeah, because Idris Elba's probably uh, probably uh, a DJ, isn't he? Because he's famous and of colour. So, almost certainly. No, he li- he literally is a DJ. No, almost certainly. No, James. He he literally is a DJ. No, almost certainly. Yeah, no. I'd, I'd certainly look at him and I'd, I'd profile him as such. He is. A, he's literally a DJ. Yeah, no, no, no. Absolutely, certainly, almost certainly is. Yes.
0: Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, listener, you can you can Google Idris Elba yourself and uh, come to your own conclusions. Oh, but uh, thank for you the for listening. For the sake of your
1: own libido, make sure you've got the safe search on because hot mama. <laughs> That's it, we're done. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye, thank you, bye, bye.